You're listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List online, and my name is Andrew Mackay-Smith. The interview subject that I've got coming up for you, it's a former eagle. It's Don Felder, and he's the fellow that wrote Hotel California. So this is a real unique experience and opportunity for me to chat to somebody who's written one of, in my view, three or four songs that will probably stand the test of time, maybe for good. It's just one of those songs. In the same way that we listened to Mozart and Beethoven in 2019, I think people in three or 400 years' time from now will be listening to Don's essential classic cut. The reason for the conversation, though, is to promote his 2019 studio release, released under his own name. It's called American Rock and Roll. So let's have a listen to what the legend has to say. Here we go. Good morning. Thanks so much. Oh, thank you Hi, for that. Andrew, is that you? It is indeed, yes. Thanks, Don. <laughs> Great, you're on is with this Don. Andrew? It, it is, Don. How are you going, Andrew. mate? How's the... I'm uh, doing fantastic. It's, it's... I call it the uh, the Aussie, Aussie phone grinds, mate. How are the Australian media contingent? How have you been treating you during these phone calls? Has it been a fun experience? You know, I have just had the best time uh, going through the whole writing and production of this uh this project and being able to do it and share it all so much with so many great friends and other musicians that I, I've had such a great time doing it. I think I may do something like this again. Uh, and <laughs> <I'm sorry>. usually <laughs> if you do something and it turns out well and you have fun doing it, you want to do it again, right? So, yep. yeah, I've just had a fantastic time uh, putting this all together, writing, recording, producing it, uh, inviting guests to come in and play with me, and it's just been a blast. Hmm. Well, look, you know, I guess my first proper question is that it was it was really actually hard to know where to start when I was preparing for an interview with the great Don Felder, if you don't mind me saying, because we are here because of your new album, American Rock and Roll. And I've had a listen to it, and it is a, a, an extraordinarily impressive collection of hard-rocking tunes. And that was probably the only surprise, I'd suggest, was that uh, how hitting, how hard-hitting some of the cuts actually are. And I certainly know that my audience appreciates that, given that a lot of my audience favours heavy metal. But now that it's out there, would you say that it's a renaissance for you? Because I think your last solo release was 2012, and no doubt you've been, you've been on some, uh, some releases in between then and now. But this is an extraordinary release, mate. So do you think it gives you an opportunity for people to rediscover your tremendous talent as a recording artist? Uh, yeah, I mean, you could look at it that way. I just, I always look at it like I'm constantly writing and recording ideas and scribbling down lyrics and uh, singing into my iPhone on the freeway when I get a melody idea. Uh, so for me, uh, it's nothing that I just stop doing and then pick up later, five, six, seven years. I tour a lot on the road. I spend probably hmm. two and a half to three weeks a month on the road. So if I get to be home for seven days uh, in my home where my studio is, I don't go out and lay out by the pool and enjoy the California sunshine. <laughs> I lock myself in my studio in the beautiful darkness of my recording studio, and I write and record pieces of music while I can. I can't do that when I'm on the road, so I assemble these little pieces of ideas, and then when I have a, a week, uh, I, I invest the time uh, in the studio doing that. So it's not that I don't write and record in between. It's just a matter of if, if I stopped touring for a year and went in the studio nonstop, I could make a record in nine months, hmm. maybe maybe 10 months at the most. 
but I just don't have large blocks of time like that that I set aside specifically for recording because I love playing. I mean, if I stop playing, you know, my chops go away. So yeah. I, uh, uh, I, I love to keep playing. I love to please audiences. It makes me very happy. So I keep doing it. So what about the, the caliber of collaborators? You know, it's, they're certainly, it's appropriate for an artist of your standing, um, but it's still a heck of a list of musicians. I mean, I actually don't think I've seen a, a collective quite like it anywhere to date, certainly not on a rock and roll record. So we're talking about Sammy Hagar slash Richie Sambora and Orianthi, she's Australian, uh, Peter Frampton, of course, Joe Satriani, Mick Fleetwood, Chad Smith from Red Eye Chili Peppers, and possibly my favourite collaborator on the album, which is Alex Lifeson from Rush. Now, I imagine you could probably work with anybody that you really wanted to. Such would be the uh, the desire for other artists to collaborate with your good self, mate. But how did you go about choosing collaborators? Because as I say, you could pretty much work with anybody at this point. Well, you know, I didn't start off to try to make a star-studded collaboration album. Uh, I started writing these songs and for example, American rock and roll. I wanted to have this musical migration from the music of the late 60s, early 70s, based around Woodstock, all the way up through today. So the drummer that I know uh, that sounds like late 60s, early 70s is Mick Flickwood. The way he plays, the tone mm. of his drums, the pocket, just kind of sets that tone and timber for that era. About halfway through... The song migrates over several decades into the 80s and early 90s, and I thought that's a great place to shift gears and bring in a different feel. So Chad Smith comes in playing drums about halfway through that record, and he feels like a 5,000-pound gorilla just set down behind the drum kit, <laughs> and it just it just shifts yeah. gears and pops the clutch and peels rubber when he sits down, you know? <laughs> so it was a... The choices of who played what, when, and where really were based on, you know, knowing how these people play. Almost all of them are friends. We've played together. We've done charity work together. We've played golf together. We've hung out, you know. Yep. So I, I know these guys, and uh, I know kind of how they sound and what they're really good at. I couldn't have put Slash on a beautiful, tender ballad like <laughs> I put Frampton on, mm -hmm. uh, the way things have to be. Uh, it was just the right musical person with the right feel that I was able to select for each song. Slash wound up playing on American Rock and Roll, and it just turned out to be a great uh, uh, selection. As a matter of fact, at first I was only going to have him play in the verse that I wrote about Guns N' Roses and Slash and Rose, and I thought, well, I'll get Slash to come in and play a couple of licks in there that identify that sound, that era, that mm. thing that everybody knows so well. So when he came in the studio, he said, well, what do you want me to do? I said, well, I don't know. What do you want to do? He said, well, just start at the top and start recording. So we did. <laughs> and he recorded like three passes from the top to the end of the song. And I went back in, you know, a couple hours later after he left. And we went in and edited what we thought was the best performances and put them in here and there. And then cut myself some room to be able to play off and around and trade off solos and that sort of stuff. So, yeah. uh, it, it was just, a, uh, it was the choice of choosing the people that I know so well, like, uh, I've worked with Steve Gadd on a lot of different records. Great drummer. The mm -hmm. song that I chose yeah. him to play on was just the perfect song for his feeling. So it was all about having the right person at the right place at the right time. 
Have you got a favourite cut on the album? Because they're, they're all very strong songs, all 11 of them, but is there one that you tend to gravitate to more than all the others? Well, yes and no. Uh, I really like the song Charmed. Yeah. Uh, I was just listening to that. Yeah. It's great. So many people go through life and become super successful and wealthy and famous, and they get tainted by the trappings of not what they did to get there, but what the rewards were. And to me, that song is about, you know, you can have a fast car and the big house and the jets and all the money and all that stuff. But whatever you're doing, when it loses its passion, Hmm. all of that other stuff has lost its charm. And so many people that I know that kind of lose their focus on what got them there in the first place. And they allow that passion to die and slip between their fingers because they're so preoccupied with all the other junk that goes along with it. Uh, to me is a tragedy. Uh, a lot of people get distracted with drugs and alcohol and gambling and stuff like that, that it robs you of uh, being able yeah, to have yeah. that, that joy and passion that, that should be in what you do it. Yeah, sage words and wise advice there. Absolutely, no doubt. So, hey, look, my next question, I'm going to go back into the past, and I, and I hope that's okay that we can do this, because I, you likely get reminded of this every interview, but look, let's face it, I'm, I'm probably only going to get this one chance to have a chat to you and tell you how meaningful Hotel California has been to me over the years, because I'm, I'm a musician, I've played in covers bands, and I see whether I'm playing in front of 100 people or, or literally one person, it's the one of about three songs that gets a pop, meaning that everybody stops what they're doing and looks up at the stage and actually participates in the experience of listening to Hotel California whenever I play it. So I can't imagine what it's like for you when you get up on stage and play it. But you've written a heap of classic material over the years, and in my view, you're actually the, the musician and the writer that actually put the Eagles into the spotlight. You know, you really push them into the superstar territory with this cut here, and it's a song that basically every adult on the planet can name or is familiar with by melody. But what are your feelings about the song nowadays? Well, where do I send the 20 bucks I promised you for saying that when he might think about me? <laughs> well, it's, it's from the heart, brother. It's, uh, it's, a, it's, so, it's an extraordinary song, and you're an excellent musician, man. So it's, uh, it's just a, a wonderful thing uh, to be able to chat to you. I will tell you that uh, I've discovered over the years that I can't go out on stage and either sing one wrong word in that song or play and make one small mistake. Of all the songs in my live performance, I have to be on point more on that song hmm. and present and concentrated and focused on that song more than anything else. Other things I can play and, you know, have a, a little grace with. But with Hotel, everybody is standing up, sitting there with their iPhones and their videotaping and taking yes. pictures. They know every lyric. They know every guitar solo note. And you just can't go out and, you know, make a mistake or they'll know it instantly. Whether you fumble the lyrics or you, you know, you, you make a little mistake on the solo. So I have to be on more intense point than any other song in my set. And it's great because it really is like a, okay, here you go. You got to step up and do this again. So yeah, yeah. It, it really comes down to, uh, it really comes down to forcing me to really concentrate, to give those people what they've heard for decades now, and they expect to hear a note for note when I go out there. So uh, mm. it, it's a wonderful 
challenge for me every night that I play it. <laughs> I've read your book. I really enjoyed your book, I've got to say, and I really loved the way you explained how you came up with the, uh, the, the melody line and the guitar part and all the rest of it. But, uh, mate, you know, I think the story, gosh, I might be, I'm going off my old memory here, but uh, you were talking about being in your room and the sun coming through the, uh, through the window and the like. But did you even have an inkling that you were writing a song that's probably immortal you know it's one of about five or six songs anybody's ever written that will be immortal in that it'll be around in hundreds of years time but was there even an inkling that it was going to be that vital a cut when you were when you were coming up with the melodies no i just kind of started playing it and anytime something comes through like that whether it's a lyric idea or a melody idea or a guitar idea i immediately go and record it because even if it's just on a little iPhone, uh, you know, dictaphone or something, mm. because if I don't, two or three days later, I'll go, what was that progression? Yes, it was kind yeah. of something, it's gone. It's gone. It's just like a dream. When you wake up in the middle of the night and you go, oh, my God, i got to write this down so I remember it tomorrow. And you write, you know, enough about it down on the pad on the side of your nightstand that you can remember it and address it the next day. Uh, I, I capture these little snippets as they come through, and that was just another one of those moments that kind of just come came running through. And then uh, I went back in. I had a bunch of little sketches like that on this TX4 track, and so uh, I think I finished about 15 of them or 14, 16, something like that. One of them became a Victim of Love, mm-hmm. uh, and another one became Hotel California. Out of those... 12 or 14. I'm, as a matter of fact, I'm going to go back and try to find that cassette nice. that all those songs were on and see what other gems might be hiding on there that were yeah. looked over or overlooked by the Eagles. Yeah. Well, yeah, look, it's, it's a great summary on that one there. And uh, you also got to know that, that the Eagles and your music is very popular here in Australia. So what's your relationship been like with us over the years? I, I assume we've been one of, if not the strongest territory for you guys outside of the United States. I love Australia. As a matter of fact, I've been trying to push my booking agent to get me back down there <laughs> so I can do a tour down there myself, whether it's on a tour with other artists or I just do uh, a tour by myself. The problem is it's so far away. It's so expensive to get there. Yeah. And from city to city, you can't, you have to tour by air. You can't tour by bus like That's you it. can in the city or in the, in the U.S. So everything's so far away because it's such a gorgeous, massive, beautiful country you have there. Uh, and if nothing else, uh, I, I just really enjoy the Aussies and the New Zealand audiences down there as well. Just good people. You guys are okay, you know? Cool. <laughs> Glad we get the tick of approval from the great Don Filder, that's for sure, because I'd be disappointed if we didn't. That's, that's for sure. But, uh, <laughs> you know, but let, let me ask you this then. I mean, you, you're, uh, you, we've already talked about your contribution to music. It's, it'll be timeless. But what new artists do you like? Do you, are you hearing aspects of your music and your playing in new music? I like really enjoy artists that write, sing, and play their own music. I, I think having the triple threat like that gives them the ability to have a long-term career. I mean, the first time I heard Aretha Franklin, my God, back in the 60s, yeah. playing piano and singing, and you went, this gal's got it, and she can be self-sufficient. She can write it, sing it, play it. Alicia Keys is to me the Aretha Franklin of the 21st century. Great talent, great singer, great writer, great player. Uh, I love John Mayer for the same reason. He writes, he sings, he plays great. Great kind of sense of 
songwriting style, uh, whether he's doing acoustic things or electric or blues. Uh, he's always pushing himself in new directions, and I admire that about him. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Gary Clark Jr. is my latest uh, fave, to tell you the truth, who I think has come on the scene here in the United States in the last three or four years. He was discovered, I think, originally by Clapton and invited to be on Clapton's Crossroads concert of fundraiser. And for the first time I heard him, I just stood there and went, oh, my God, this hmm. guy has got the same talent. He writes, he sings, he plays. All three of them are great. Great voice, great songs, great playing. Orianti yeah. is very much the same way. Great singer, yeah. great writer, great player. I saw her for the first time at a NAM show here uh, probably 15 years ago. I was walking down the hallway, and Paul Reed Smith came and grabbed my arm. He said, you've got to come up to my booth and hear this girl sing. And I went, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Everybody <laughs> wants me to go listen to the demo. He said, no, 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 you've got to come listen to her. So I walked up there, and she was standing in this little room by herself with a microphone, a guitar, and an amp. No band, no yeah. track, no nothing, and absolutely killing it. Singing, playing. I went, wow, okay. And since then... Uh, she and I have done a lot of charity events together where she comes out and plays hotel with me. We trade off on pride and joy. <laughs> We've done things with Alice Cooper. Uh, we just did a thing with yeah. Billy Gibson's Joe Bonamassa, Stephen Sills, myself, Orianti, Robbie Krieger for, uh, American U S vets. Uh, and she's just unbelievable. As a matter of fact, she's on this record. I didn't even intend to have her. I hadn't thought about having her on the record at the time that I went over to Sam Bora's house to have him play on uh, this record. And we're in the, we're in Sam Bora's studio recording. He's got a guitar. I got a guitar. We're trading back and forth these guitar parts. I turn around and look and Orianti's walking down the staircase and I had forgotten that she and Richie were together yeah. at the time. And I went, Orianti, what are you doing? Go get a guitar. You got to play on this record. So she grabbed the guitar. I think she had on a T-shirt and cut-off jeans and a baseball hat first thing in the morning. <laughs> no makeup. She grabbed the guitar and plugged in and just absolutely killed that solo. It's one of my favorite solos on the record. I think she's going to be, if she's not already, probably the most recognizable celebrity female rock guitarist in history. Yeah, More so than anybody on. else that I've yeah. seen and known. She's got it. She's got it going on. Yeah, she's 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 got the hey, charisma. Andrew? Yes. Finish up. We're uh, coming to the end. Do you have any last questions for Don Silver? Um, I've got plenty to be honest with you, but you know what? I don't want to be a punisher because um, you know I know the next one's coming through. But I will say this, Don. It's an absolute privilege and a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, as I've already explained, I've I've played your music in front of people, and I know that you are one of those musicians who has touched people's souls and their spirit, and you're you are the creator of music that allows people to lead a better life, meaning that if they're feeling down, they listen to some of your great instrumentals, some of your great guitar playing, some of the music that you've, you've, uh, you've penned, and they feel better about whatever it is that's putting them down. So thank you, mate, for doing what you're doing and for being such a wonderful ambassador for music. Well, thank you. Let's make that 50 bucks instead of 20, okay? <laughs> Can do, mate. No worries. I'll send you my bank details afterwards. <laughs> hey, Andrew, when I, when I come down to Australia, wherever you are, you've got to come to a show, and let me thank you personally for taking the time to do this for me. I really appreciate it, man. No, we will do, mate. No worries. That's very kind of you. No worries at all, mate. All the best with everything. All right. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks a lot. We'll talk to you later. For sure, mate. Get gotcha. you. 
You've been listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List online. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith, and that interview subject was the one and only, the legend, Mr. Don Felder from the Eagles. Thanks so much for listening.